Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. And we're packed with another exciting show of football chat. We're going to be talking Whitecaps. We've got some interviews to bring you. We're going to be talking CPL, League One BC, looking ahead to a cup final and a lot more. Very excited for this episode. We've had a little bit of a, a break. We've just had a, a tough time really getting all of us together. Zach's been away. Steve's been busy doing stuff. I've been busy doing stuff. But we, we've got two of us together tonight. So we'll be delving into all of that. Just want to also say off the bat as well, for those of you that listen to us on CITR Radio, we're switching days. We're moving from Sundays at 11 to Wednesdays at 11. I've been waiting for a midweek slot to open up. We're no longer doing these shows live in the studio just by travel and COVID and everything that, that was happening. So they were all getting recorded. But of course, we record usually on a Sunday, which was meant they were going up a week late. So I was looking for a midweek chance to get the shows up in a more timely manner. So we're now moving to Wednesdays. It's still 11 o'clock. So all of the, the many listeners that listen to us in the dorms can still enjoy that, Zach, because they, they look at their posts as a Kurt Cobain and Lucas Cavalli. Well, yeah, I hope you put up some flyers around campus. I, I will do. Yeah. I, I, I'll be like, have you heard this man? If not, you should. <laughs> have you heard this man? But looking forward to that. So you can listen to us, listen to the podcast. Obviously, we want you to still do that or listen to us on the radio Wednesdays at 11. And there's no one on after us. That's why I want the 11 o'clock slot. So we can go on all night long, baby. Or until I get tired, which at my age is usually about an hour, which is obviously a lie because these podcasts are like two, two and a half hours. But we'll try and keep this one on track tonight because oh, we, yeah. do, we do have another game coming up on Tuesday. So we're probably going to bring out a midweek special as well. And that midweek special is going to be our German special because I'll be having a chat with the new addition to the Whitecaps, Julian Gressel. We're also going to speak to his podcast co-host, Fabian Herbers. Got a chance to chat to him after the Chicago game at the weekend. But let me start things off, Zach, by asking you, are we too German? Uh, are the Whitecaps too uh, German? Yes, not us. No, the, I haven't I, shaved I, my underarm hair, so obviously I am too German. I think I think the uh, you can never have too many quality Germans at a football club, can you? Well, we've, we've three now. Florian Jungwirth, Julian Gressel, and Axel Schuster. 
Can we see more? Will we get a German DP one day? Thomas Mueller? Yeah, that's that's not happening. Um, but you know, would they, could they acquire a German DP? You would. Some would have, I think, thought that might have happened by by now. But well, I, in the Axel Schuster era, but I've genuinely hoped that there would be some kind of tie-in between the club and Bayern. And I guess we've kind of seen that at WFC two level now. Nick Salihamidzic. Yeah, Bratzo's son. I was not going there with the pronunciation. I was really <laughs> hoping you were coming up with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, N- Nick his, Yeah, his dad. His dad was. Uh, his dad was an incredible player who like was one of those. Uh, he he's Bosnian, right? But he he sort of I think fit in well in the Bundesliga and he fit in well at Bayern because he had that like will to win. Like that fight and that never, never say die kind of attitude, and he was like a like an energizer bunny. Like he would, he would, he ran so much, um, and he was also. I mean, his dad was also someone who could play uh, multiple positions, right? Um, usually, usually, you know, wide or on the wing or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I I really appreciated um, him as a player, as uh, and his role now. Um, not not as much. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I I appreciate some of the stuff he said recently, where he's held up his hand and said, "Hey, I think we I slash we have made some mistakes in the last couple of years." I think that's helpful. But mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I think the the sort of the jury's still out on on how they've built the squad for this year. But anyway, we could talk about that for hours in and of yes. itself. But so we won't. But no, I, it'll be interesting to see. Have you seen, has Nick played yet? Not that I've seen, no. Okay. So I I, I think he should hopefully be be playing the, the next game that Whitecaps 2 have. But it's an exciting potential link up. And if both ways as well, because if we've got young talent that can maybe go over and have a look at in the, in the German system as well. Well, two things. One, you know, Byron has his partnership with the Toronto Blizzard, right? Have you heard about that? No. Yeah, this, in the last uh, few months, they have this partnership with Toronto Blizzard, which still exists as a, sort of like a youth team or youth academy or, or whatever in Toronto. I don't know all the details about it, but yeah, they've had a, they, they created a partnership there. And the other thing which I, which I do want to say about Bratzo and his son, Nick, is supposedly uh, this was one of the, I think, one of the frictions he had maybe with the previous coach who chose to leave Hansi Flick uh, mm-hmm. over, uh, I think. Where's Steve he, when you need him? Yeah, exactly. Including, I think there was, a, like, he wanted his son included more in, like, first team training or something. And so I think, supposedly, again, allegedly, I don't want to say for sure, but my the things I heard was that, yeah, uh, there was some friction over that. And, and that was part of the the greater issues within their relationship, which, which um, made Hansi Flick want to choose to move on. Well, I mean, Bayern's loss as well could be the the Whitecaps gain. I'm really looking forward to to seeing what he brings to the team. But l- let's talk about the German that's with the first team, the newest addition to the Whitecaps, Julian Gressel, 28 year old, wing back, stroke right back, a great acquisition. Yeah. Um, I've liked what he's brought in his time in MLS, and it, I mean he's he's scored goals. He scored 19 goals, but it's the assists, 58 assists, I think it is, that he's brought over the years. And that's been one of my big criticisms of the defensive players that the Whitecaps have brought in, whether it's fullbacks, whether it's wingbacks, is that 
we've brought players in and I like my fullbacks to be guys that create and have assists. And you look at the stats and I'm, I'm not ragging on Jake Nowinski here. I'm just using him as an example. He does not produce the number of assists that I want from my right back. You have to go way back to like YP Lee, Stephen Betashure to an extent as well. But we've needed that production from those wingers, from those wing backs. And Gressel looks like the guy that could be providing that. I mean, his numbers are so impressive when you look at his goals plus his assists. It's mm-hmm. almost like he has a goal or an assist every other game, almost. Uh, I think it's just below that. Uh, it's Yeah, he... He's a, a German who's taking a different path, right? Yeah, I think when, saw, when saw he was college. Yeah, saw he wasn't going to maybe be able to make the breakthrough in Germany the way he wanted, and decided I'm going to go to America and go to college and play over there. And then what came out like gangbusters at at Atlanta, at, uh, Atlanta United and oh, won uh, an MLS Cup in 2018. Yeah, and uh, I, I I can't remember the situation around his. Um, transaction his move to dc united DC, yeah that's something I mean, i'm gonna ask him about when i speak this week like how different that was yeah because I, I can't imagine that was his choice right because an mls no. you to choose i mean if if anyone hasn't listened to the podcast that he does with fabian herbers it's called z soccer podcast it's a very interesting podcast and we'll have a chat with him in this coming week about this as well but just how blindsided he was by that move and he tweeted out when Stephen Goff tweeted that the, yeah. the trade was happening it's like oh nice of you to find out two minutes after I did and his yeah. wife read it before he'd really had the yeah. chance to tell her it, all these memories of Breck Shea came back to me because that's what he was totally Al- blindsided with that as well Alain, Alain Rochat yes yeah. oh yeah going the yeah. other way so yeah. it's it's something in MLS that I I still don't understand why in all this time the players' union haven't pushed harder against that. Because Axel came out and said he wanted to speak to, to Julian to see if he was happy with the, a move, whether he'd be open for this, and DC wouldn't let Axel well, speak to him. But, but that's the thing, though. I don't I, I don't like the North American model. But within the North American model, I totally understand why DC would not want another club speaking to them being their player before he moves. And, well, no, but if DC uh, had agreed, yep, if you want him, we're prepared to let him move if he's okay with that. That's how it should be. Like, no, well, I, I don't it, just it, mean it, Axel but, tapping him up and going, hey, man, do you want no, to No, 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 but that's that's the thing, though. That's not the model here. No. The model is they're at, the players are assets owned by the, the franchises, and the franchises dictate. It's not a, hey, uh, what's your thought? What's your opinion on this? You're willing to go. It, it, and, You're it, using it, the F word. I know. Gonna have to mark this explicit. Exactly, um, but so it's just not how it works. I, w- I I would love it if it changed and became more, uh, more like the the world model in football, where players have uh, a say on if they are going to accept, uh, you know, uh, accept the uh, want to go to the club that it wants to buy their their rights or their you know whatever. So, of course, the thing is, like, you're not just uprooting him. You're uprooting nope. his family. His yep. wife has a job. He's got a kid. There's yep. health care. And he's not even just moving across country. He's moving to a different country. Countries yep. never lived in before. So stuff like that, it just does not sit comfortably with me. But he seems keen to be here. He is going into an option year. So I guess it's a, 
a chance for both sides really to see no, if it's, it's a good no, fit. No, 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 it's not. It's it's not a it's not a it's a club option, Michael. They, it's whether or not the Whitecaps yes. want to keep them. And you got it. There's no way the Whitecaps are going to, having invested what they did in the trade, going to not take that option. No, I that I agree with. But if if he was to come and say, look, my wife hasn't settled here. We're just not happy. I'm sorry. We, I I just can't be here and play for you. Not that I don't want to, it's just we're just not sold as a family. You saw they let Max Cripple go for personal so, reasons. So, so if he says, I want to go to a club that's more ambitious, they'll let him go? Mark DeSantis was on the phone and he said... <laughs> Mark DeSantis was on the phone. Disney, all, Disney World all, down here. And, all, and all, I, all I could hear was him crunching on his burger. Yeah, he's been tweeting out some more pictures of that. Let's not get sidetracked any more than we are. Let's get back to Gress on what he can mean to this team. I like it because we've got a proper wing back. Yeah. A player that properly fits the system. We're not trying to shoehorn Christian Dahomey into a wing back role that he's clearly not cut out for. We've we've got a proper guy here now that can do this. And and it's not just that. It's now you feel like if the Whitecaps are fully fit, not only do they have a proper right wing back, they have a proper left wing back in Christian Gutierrez on the other side. And you, you... you see there's a i think a better understanding of the squad that they've built and how they built it and why they built it and this is a this is a significant piece i understand why you know axel and and the the media team or whatever have trumpeted as like the best wing back in 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 mls or whatever but they should be talking about this is doesn't complete their team but is a position that they needed to get better at so oh, absolutely it's it, i don't know i would be i would be talking a little bit about also in addition to him being the best wing back in mls how it, it's uh it, it fills maybe you don't want to say void but it it, it uh it, it totally upgrades a position for us um like exponentially yep and you have to look at some of the recent movement that the white caps have done since nick overheel has come in him and axel together you, you've got him you've got blackman You've got Ryan Gold. It's so many good additions that's really made this team better. But something that I've liked in particular is the fact that they have gone now more within MLS. It's something I've been crying out for in this show for years and years and years. And I I remember speaking to MDS about it. And he said, we we need to have a talk one day about that off the record. And we've never had that talk yet. So it is something that... I'd like to know why it hasn't happened before and all of a sudden it now is happening, but I don't care why or how it is happening and they are making some good trades. But you look around the league and you see some of the other moves that's made, like Mark anthony Kay going to TFC. Yep. Could we not have got him? In addition pro- to Gressel, I'm, I'm talking about as well. And like even when he went to Colorado, could we not have been a club yeah. that was in and try and make that move happen? Preso, I know Preso was a part. What was the what was the the allocation money involved in that? For for K, for, I can't remember, but it yeah. was qu- it was quite a bit. It was quite a bit when he went to Colorado to begin with. Was yeah, like I mean, obviously he is returning home. Yeah, but it's it's just you see some of those, and it was like Shinyashiki getting picked up by right. Seattle. It's like oof. It it's something the Whitecaps have got a lot better at but I would still like to see them more involved because they've had Gam. Gam was running out and they're giving up a lot for this, but it's over three years. Yeah. And I feel that's worth it. 
If you're well, giving it all up in one go, that's when you could have a bust well, in your hands. And it, and it, part of their the narrative is that they've that they have is going is that oh yeah no we have lots of it, so it's good to see them actually you know use it in a significant way. I yeah, know they've used it a little I, bit. Earlier this I year, tried but, to use it in Superstore and they wouldn't take it. So I mean it's it's got its limited uses. That's true. That is that is very true. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you on the bringing in MLS players. I, I would say it, it might be it might be fair to describe it as they weren't in that game at all, and now they're in the game. But you're right; they're maybe still a little bit behind a lot of their competitors. But if we can add one good quality player every transfer window, that really upgrades the team significantly. Yeah, that that is good business as well because they've, they've done that with Blackman significantly yes, increased totally. the defence. Ryan Gold significantly increased the, the midfield and attack. And now you've, we've got Gressel coming in that hopefully we, we'll see him perform the same number because he's I, a guy. It's just so exciting to think about him whipping balls into White, Cavallini, and it takes some of the pressure off Ryan Gold as well. Well, well you know what? I know you're excited about the attack, but the, I think the thing for me that... Uh, you know, especially based on your the homey comment earlier, the thing for me that's probably better is he's actually like the complete wing back, because I don't yeah. think you have to worry about him defensively. I think you're going to see him contribute and help out and and do a job defensively in addition to uh, being someone who creates and uh, you know uh, maybe score you know scores the odd goal, but definitely sets up a bunch of goals. So it's it's a it's a really a really solid pickup. It's very exciting. It just came out of the blue as well. When it was and announced, I, and, it was like, "Wow!" And I don't even question the amount. Like, no, I think I think it's a, a, a good a good. It's like it. it I, they could even potentially, I think, later look back on this and be like, "Oh, we might, you know, we even got the better end of, the, of this, you know." Yeah, uh, we got our first look at him in action on Saturday night in the first half against Chicago. We will come to that game in a second, but want to just rewind a little bit because. Zach, you've been missing for the, the last couple of shows and thanks to Har for, for stepping in. She's a great job in the, the co-host role. Thank but you, Har. want to chat about the, the Portland game because that is a game that we haven't talked about because we didn't have a, an episode out last week. We'll just quickly look at that. On the back of what happened in Cincinnati, great point in Cincinnati, battling point, fought back. They had the scary injury to, to Cropper and brown with his eye and they were down to the bare bones as it was to get a point from that was fantastic and I thought I don't hold out much hope for that Portland game but some of the guys were back healthy some of the guys came in and that was one of the best games I think the Whitecaps have played against the Timbers for many a season taking the lead great goal from Brian White even better cross from Ryan Raposo. That mm. was just a sublime pinpoint cross right into his head. Yeah. White's diving header is one of, if not the goal of the season, I think. Is, I, I, th I think for me, it's there. right up there as well because of the delivery. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, it was beautiful. Great ball from the young Canadian, the American striker, dives in like a soaring, like a bald eagle, just heads it in. They did so well. And Isaac Bomer getting his first start, not Correct. phased at all with that crowd. No. I mean, what a, what a start for that young lad. You're playing the second half in Cincinnati against a loud, vociferous crowd. But then you've got a derby match against 
a Timbers army that can be really brutal for opposition keepers. They're just so good at it. And he kept a clean sheet up until the 82nd minute. And it wasn't his fault. It was a, mm. a stupid challenge, giving away a penalty. Mora steps up, puts it home. It's tied sure. at one. Earlier, we were singing the, the praises sort of of Tristan Blackman. Yes. And what I still up, think he's our best defender. Oh, yeah, he's been great. But it was, it felt like such a naive challenge. Yeah. When you put your point, you come into come into or come through the back of a player like that. Uh, especially, it was Mora too, I think, right? Who got the foul? Yeah. And it was like, as Is soon it as, a tired challenge, maybe. Maybe, but he it, had it, been out for a bit. As soon as as soon as Mora felt the contact went down, like. Oh yeah, you're, yeah. I mean, you're always going easy. to. And then yeah, yeah Bomer. I don't blame it. it. Was penalty? I think Mora put it sort of down the middle, and yeah. I mean, I, I will say I was worried at that point because we've seen the Timbers do this before and I thought the crowd would lift them over the line. They'd get a late second and they'd they'd take all three points. Full credit to the, the Whitecaps for seeing that game out. And it's crazy to think you're coming away from that thinking that was two points dropped. We really yeah. should have had all three there. And going into it, I would have bitten your hand off to even just get a point out of that. Yeah. It was also nice to see, I think, since 2019, I think that's the largest Caps on Tour yeah. uh, traveling group of, of anywhere, I think. In, it in was good good to see. And uh, it's like looking at some of the people that I know on Facebook and Twitter, they all had a good time down there. Mm-hmm. And it's it's nice to, to have that again. I couldn't go down for it. I usually would, but I was doing the, the League One commentary. And every time I miss one of the games down there, I'm like, oh, I want to be down there. It's just, I love going down there. It's a, just, it's a great city. I love going down the coast, as I, I've spoken about oh, many yeah. times on the show as well. And just the atmosphere in the stadium. It's just proper, proper football. I, I, yeah, I, I I think I was messaging you about this at the time. I don't know if it was the, the mixed levels on my thing, or mm. I don't know if the, if the TA is still... It's, still uh, expressing their issues with their front office by not doing all the things they always do. Um, but it felt a little bit, maybe it was just a mix that I, I was picking up on, on watching it on, on TV, but it didn't sound as loud or as intimidating as it usually. No, does. but you, you've still got that chainsaw man. Yes. Oh yeah. Timber Joey. Yes. But I mean, that was two really good, road points, Cincinnati, Portland, coming on the back of that 3-1 loss at home to Minnesota. That was very disappointing, and you thought, ah, oh, they've thrown away three crucial points there, but then they make two up on the road, and that's what they've always talked about. Mark talked about it, Vanny's talked about it as well. If you drop points at home, you just have to go on the road and try and pick those points up. So, I mean, by that point, I had a spring in my step, I was feeling quite buoyant, I feel that all that good work that was done in those two road games was then just thrown away Saturday night at BC Place by a second straight 3-1 loss at home. And you go from feeling confident and taking those two road points to then breaking it down and saying, yeah, but you know, you know what? We've taken just two points from a possible 12 in the last four matches and we've thrown six points away at home. And all of a sudden, the feel-good factor has kind of gone out the window a little bit. That is, uh, that is an interesting way to look at it. And you're, and you're right. It does, 
uh, I think diminish uh, some of the the highs of those road points um, because yeah, I think the game against the fire is 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 really disappointing. Well, that right. First off, I'll say Chicago fully deserved their victory. They were oh, a better yeah. team on the night. They played some really nice football. They moved the ball well, and they they are in a bit of a run. That was their third straight win. They've started to hit their stride. And it kind of shows what MLS is all about because they looked like down at the bottom of the East, didn't really look like playoff contenders. All of a sudden, three straight wins. And let's be honest, wins against tough opposition as well. Toronto, Seattle and the Whitecaps. That is three big wins that they've got there. Nine points claimed. They're now up to two points off the, the playoff line. They're playing with a confidence. They're playing with a swagger. And it showed against the Whitecaps. Whitecaps, on the other hand, with results elsewhere, have now fallen to four points back off the playoff line and throwing points away at home that they now, now need to go and, and make up on the road. But it was another first half where the Whitecaps were just not at the races at, at BC Place. They've had one goal in the first half at home all season. Yeah, I saw that. I, when I saw that stat, I was just like, oh, it's okay, yeah, it makes sense, but but they've been so good in the second half. And we've exactly. talked it on the show before that you feel right to the final whistle. You're expecting them almost to score. Okay, before we talk about the half, though, we need to talk a little bit about, I think, the lineup and the approach. Because yes. I think there was there was this desire to hold some players back because of the Cup Final Tuesday. Which well, is there was cool. definitely a, an eye on Tuesday because there were six changes from the, the team in Portland. Yeah. One so, of them being Gressel coming in, so that's fine, great. Yeah, totally, totally fair. But I, it felt like the the, yeah the the, the first half first half was was very flat. Mm-hmm. Um, like Chicago, they, they, was, they started brightly though. Like Dahomey cracked one off the the post six minutes in, but that was as good as it got. It just Chicago then just took over from that point in the half. Yeah, yeah, and it just it felt like. I don't know, Chicago felt dominant in the half. Yeah, they, they were moving the ball really well. And you look at the possession and Chicago dominated at home. And we know that this is a Whitecaps side that don't like to, to play with the ball. I always, every time I utter that those words that come out of my mouth, it's like, it's football. How can you not want to play with the ball? It just, oh, it just yeah, well, they rankles got, they got, me. They got crushed on possession, yeah, yeah. At, at home, which is... Which shouldn't happen. But Chicago uh, only had four shots on target in the whole game, and three of them ended up in the back of the net as well. So there's but, a, but an no, issue. But, but that's the thing, though. They created some massive, massive chances. Yeah. And this, I mean, I was messaging you during the game. Mm. As, as the game was ha- unfolding and just Chicago took the lead, I did actually, I, I told you this, I felt like, yeah, Chicago's got the lead, but they've squandered so many good chances yeah. and half chances that, oh, yeah, Vancouver loves the second half. Vancouver's going to score at least a goal in the second half, maybe maybe a few, and so uh, it was it was uh, I I wasn't like discouraged for them. Like I thought, oh yeah, they they can turn this around, uh, and I thought, okay, they're making subs at halftime. I know um, what's his it name. It was nice to get announced at, at the halftime chat. Yeah, we're making three subs. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I was reading Russell. Uh, what's his name? Tybert. No, oh, Ber- Beresford. Russell Beresford's. Uh, um, you've forgotten Rusty already? No, no. Scathing, scathing review of, yeah. of the match. 
um, where he felt maybe those some changes needed to be made in the first half based on how they were performing. Um, but uh, I know I, I thought going into the second half, I thought, oh, okay, they can easily salvage this. They can easily yeah. come back. They've done it so many times. Well, let's go back to the lineup then because, okay, yeah. I, like, genuinely, when I saw it, I, I was a bit surprised and a bit wasn't because I knew they were going to take Tuesday very seriously. But I looked at that lineup and I thought, yeah, they've still got the beating of the Chicago team. I genuinely was confident that who was on the pitch could do the job. And I'll also be honest, probably naively, but I, I mean, I did watch Chicago actually play Toronto and Seattle, so I'm not sure why I, w- I was thinking this necessarily. But y- you look at the fixtures and it's like, oh, this is great. We've got Chicago coming to us right before a cup final. That's the ideal game you want. Yeah, to get ready, yeah. Yeah, get ready, confidence booster, rest some players, get the win. It's a, it's a weaker Eastern team that's coming. Has not proved that way. No. Flo Youngworth, <sighs> they were talking about this in the pregame, had said, if we can't win tonight, we're not going to win on Tuesday. That's not, that's not, doesn't bode well. When you, and I said to you about Flo, I said, why are they playing Flo yeah. at the center of defense against a, a, a big, strong, fast, pacey forward who is in form. Like Duran, I think it was at three coming in, he had three goals in five games or something. I was uh, hoping he was going to get a double because I had so many Duran Duran jokes and music oh, that I was going to dig out. But seriously, when you look at, okay, I'm looking at the lineup. When you look at the lineup, how many of these players are starting on Tuesday? Cavallini, absolutely. Kubas, absolutely. Gressel, has to be. But the rest, are any of them starting? Probably not. Oh, I guess maybe one of the center backs might have to, but Brown maybe. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll come to that because I'm going to go over who, who but, we but, feel our it, best but, starting eleven is, but we'll we'll touch yeah. on that in the next but part. It, but so it was a, it was like it was a weak side. It, it was it a was, weak side, but it was still it was a strong side, and it's guys well, that have been starters and been getting regular minutes. And 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 again, I hope it's okay if I once again refer, reference Russell Beresford. But course, I think this, one, that was an excellent piece that you wrote. Yeah, one of the, I think one of if you're Vanny or the coaching staff, uh, even though I think Beresford says it's partly their fault, um, I, you have to be frustrated that some of these players who started this game did not take the opportunity given to them. Well, I was gonna, I was just gonna say that because this was the chance for one of them to go out there and put in a performance and say to Vanny, "Hey, I deserve to be starting in the cup final." Yeah. Yeah, totally. Does, can I and say now you that? look at that that eleven? You're like, I don't know if I want any of them to start in that cup final. Yeah. Hey, can I ask you a question? Does Does Vite just not have the pace? Oh, I thought he was just so off it last night. I but don't with, know what it was. But like on the whole, is he a slower player than I thought he was? I don't know. We ha- I don't know that we've seen enough of him. I, he, I mean, he's not got blistering pace, but I've, I've never thought of him as slow, to be honest. He's, he's sort of supposed to be like a, a central attacking midfielder, right? Yeah. He feels like he does, is not suited well to the 3-4-2-1, that he should be more a 3-4-1-2 guy in that Ryan Gold one spot. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because in this spot, he had to do all that running on the on the flank running into space out there and yeah. he looked very poor there was a few poor performances out there Leo Wusu in the middle it was just posted missing certainly on the first goal he was posted missing Yeah, but I mean, I, let's talk about that first goal because this every time I see this it just angers me more and more 
because again, like you look at the players that's in form, and Duran's been in form, and we know that Chris Mueller is a, a dangerous player, and he's done stuff in in the league. Talking about guys, it's good transfers for within the league. Chris Mueller is certainly one of those kind of players. But you've got to be honest. You look at that team sheet, and the name that that stands out is Shakiri. And oh, yes, yeah. he's not had the the strongest start to his MLS career. That was his fourth goal that he'd had from 18 appearances, I think it was, so far. It's been a bit up and down as he adjusts to the league, but he, he has has had some good performances for, for the fire this season. Of all the players on that team sheet, yeah, you're like, oh, I'm just going to step off. A guy that's played at three World Cups is a quality striker. Yeah, he's maybe on his right foot. And... Shakiri didn't even want to take a shot there because you saw him looking up, looking to play off a pass, but a pass wasn't on. And then he glances back and is like, oh, I've got all this room in front of me. Okay, I'm on my right foot. I'll give it a go anyway. Oh, Nestle's in the corner. Guided into the corner, yeah. But they, was, they just backed off him. Yeah, it was that was kind of inexcusable, I think, the defending on, on that goal. You can't let a player like that shoot even, even though it is his weaker foot. And yeah, he did really well. I I, I have... I have some appreciation for him from his time at, at Bayern and watching him play a little bit for Switzerland at you know at, at the, the Euro and the World Cups. He's, he's um, a quality guy, and we got a chance to to chat the, with him after the game, which we'll we'll bring you in the next part. The, and the, the thing I like about him is I, again, I know Chicago's year has not been great, but watching them play, and again, they were playing against a second string, let's call it Whitecaps team. Um, but I like how I like how they played because I like how they use Shakiri because, you know, he needs to be like the focal point of their attack. Mm-hmm. But well, they he had a free role, I think. I think he was just he told did. to go and do whatever he wanted he out did. there. And, and he, but he, so it reminded me a little bit of Minnesota where they have Reynoso. But the difference between like a Chicago and a Minnesota where with Minnesota, it's like you, every time they get the ball, you know, they're absolutely lo- like it's like uh, Heath has told them you have to find Reynoso, you know, you have to find him where Shakiri I think has more freedom mm-hmm. and the players around him have more freedom to uh, allow others to be involved in the build, the play and the creativity, even though he is, you know, the primary option. And so you got to see him move over the pitch, I think more than like a Reynoso does and get more involved and pop up in different spots and be harder to defend because he could, he was everywhere. But that was a bit like us last year with Ryan Gold. As soon as we added him, it kind of felt the Whitecaps message was just get the ball to Gold and let him do stuff. And then clubs worked that out and shut him down and he had a a tough end to the year. But because Chicago didn't do that, because it wasn't every time Shakiri has to get the ball, I think that's one of the reasons why on his goal he was able to be in space because Whitecaps couldn't just know that the ball's always coming to him. I, I was impressed by Chicago and, and how they played. And they had a number of chances in that first half. They they came close on a, a couple of occasions. Gut- Pineda had that one that came off the post. That oof. Gutierrez looked yeah. dangerous. Yes, he had. The, he kind of waltzed through the back line at one point and then just shot just wide, and that happens a lot with this Whitecaps defense. Players just a bit of fancy footwork and they just dance through them. It's. It's an area of the field that either needs strengthened or you stop making so many changes there. And we'll, we'll come to that when we talk about a starting eleven. But they were down at the half. I still thought, ah, oh, they're going to come out and have their usual second half performance. Mm-hmm. And yep, Cava, 
got them back on level terms in the 54th minute. And it was a lovely goal. Yeah. The, the ball in was like pinpoint and the flick from Cava. Goal sent the ball in, one of the three halftime subs. At first I thought, oh, has Cava stayed onside? And then you see the replay and it's like, totally. oh, perfectly timed. I was going to say good run and good finish from Cava. Yeah, lovely little kind of swivel finish. And when that went in, I thought, okay, that's it. They're going to yeah. push on now. They'll maybe totally. get a second, maybe get a third. And it, it's going to be another good second half. Set us up really nicely for the, the game on Tuesday. I, I think it I messaged you. I think I messaged you saying, how many more goals are in this game? Yeah. Because <laughs> it felt like, okay, yeah, the Whitecaps are going to get at least one more. Well, I mean, um, you've got, I, I guess you could say the turning point or the turning minute of the game, which was Gold had the chance in the oh, yes. fifth, which yes. just took too heavy a touch. Yeah. And I, I obviously don't like to criticise my fellow Scott, but I feel we should have done better there. I think he was just overstretched and just got too much on it. And he followed it through and tried to poke it under the keeper, but the keeper did well, came out quickly, smothered it. And... It's like, oh, but the Whitecaps rue that. A minute later, yeah, they did. I think the keeper did well in his coming out. I think he was a bit fortunate that that didn't go through him. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, that was the absolute turning point because then they go up the field and win the corner, right? Yeah. And it was off the, the second phase of the corner. Their captain, Rafael Zichos, I, I guess. Uh, that's I, the I, pronunciation. Don't, I, I call him the Billy Goat because he came from FC Cologne, the Billy Goats. Well, he, he made two Whitecaps players look like goats as he just rose and towered above them to head home. Yeah. There was some surprise, I think, if I remember correctly, in Germany when he was like, I think he up and left Cologne in the middle of the season to come and join Chicago. I just, I don't know if he's just on good money or a change of scenery or whatever, but he, I, I know he's scored a bunch of, uh, a few goals in his last few games for them. So he's on a good, good streak for them or whatever. But, um, yeah, he seems like a a, a good a good uh, and his leadership and whatever and his experience. He seems like a good uh, you know, left footed centre back for them. Yeah, but by all accounts, Chicago's very happy with with what he's brought to the team. He's a he's a natural leader on the pitch and he's had a, a good impact out there. And then I mean, at two one, I still thought ah oh, the Whitecaps will probably sneak an equaliser here. I didn't fancy them at that point to go on and get the win, but let's talk about the goal of the game, Chris Mueller. For me, that has to be up there as one of the goals of the season. It was just a sublime finish. And I had a beautiful view behind it from the press box. And as soon as it left his foot, I was like, oh, that's in. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, a very nice finish. Um, Mueller, or or is it Mueller? He, uh, I think he was uh, full value for his goal for his, like on his, based on his performance on the yeah. night. Like he was very involved. I've always He's, liked him in this league. He's yeah. been such a good player. He was creating stuff. He was getting on the end of stuff. He was unfortunate a couple, couple of times, uh, and then yeah, it was just a, a a very very quality finish. Three one loss, second straight three one loss at home, puts the the Whitecaps in a bit of a a tough spot now because again they have to go on the road and try and make some of these points up, but the games that they've had. And like every club can do this at the end of the year. You you sit down if you haven't achieved success or you've just missed out narrowly of the playoffs or whatever and you're like, where did it go wrong? Where can you pinpoint it? Where were the key points dropped? And these two home games, Minnesota and Chicago, feel massive. I mean, yeah, they're just four points off the playoff spots, 
they have played an extra game than, than some of the teams in and around there as well. But after the results today on Sunday, you look at the standings and Nashville's in 31 in 6th, LA Galaxy's in 7th and 30, Portland's on 30 and 8th, Seattle's on 29 and 9th, and then it's us in 10th and 26th. Now, you'd be a brave man to bet against Portland or Seattle getting in that top seven come the end of the season. Yeah, especially Seattle. So that, if, if they get in, you're then looking that the Whitecaps have to overtake three sides to basically yeah. get in. And that's where it's the math starts yeah. to look a little bit shaky. And that Minnesota say, game looms huge. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I think two things. One is this is where they excelled last year. Yes. Where it was just like all, you know, they, they were all focused. It was it was like they had more clarity as a, uh, you know, as a squad. Definitely the coaches were able to f- focus on this one common goal. Um, so, so, so what I'm, I'm hearing you say is we lose a Canadian championship game, get rid of the coach, and then we'll go on a run? Uh, that, that's not what I said at all. Um, no, no. But So the <laughs> second thing I want to say, though, Michael, as much as, it, yeah, it, what, what you're saying is valid and important, you need to look at the standings, blah, blah, blah. I mean, for the next whatever it is, 48 hours, they do not care about the league. Oh, Yes. Like that, none of I that don't either for the next 48 yeah, hours. Yeah. They don't They don't care about that. They'll worry about that on Wednesday. They'll worry about Nashville, preparing for Nashville starting Wednesday. None of that matters. All that they care about right now is trying to bring some kind of joy to their fans and uh, lifting some silverware, which they've only lifted this trophy once, of course. Uh, and I, I think also... Um, you know, qualifying for CONCACAF Champions League is something that they, I think, they would highly value. As would I. It's a competition, obviously, that I've spoken about many times that I love. But, yeah, all the focus now is on Tuesday. Some may say all the focus on the weekend was also on Tuesday. Tuesday. I mean, Vanny spoke um, on Friday, t- talked about this in the in the radio show, then when the guys there spoke to him bef- ahead of the game, and he touched on this after the game as well, that he felt that this was the worst training that he'd seen from the team in the build-up to a game. And that is concerning. It's like, it's fine to have a focus on a cup final, but these are big, big matches. You've got to look at everything. Teams at the top of the table, teams that become champions, they don't get that way by having off days and just focusing on on a game that's in the future. You've got to focus on the here and now and the next game ahead. But we are going to look at the, the game that's coming up against Toronto in the next part. We'll also bring you a little bit of audio post-game from that Chicago game as well. And we'll pose the question, should the Whitecaps now move to a settled start in 11? And who should that settled start in 11 be? And we'll be back chatting all of that after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Thing 
things go, all things go. Drove to Chicago. All things know, all things know. We sold our clothes to the state. I don't mind, I don't mind. I made a lot of mistakes in my mind. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's a song I like to dig out whenever we play Chicago, and especially when Chicago come to town, which isn't very often. Every four years, roughly, we see them. Every two years, we play them. Sufjan Stevens, Chicago, taken from his absolutely fantastic 2005 album, Come On, Feel... The Illinois. It's a really good album. Very different to a lot of the music I play as well. I know you're a bit of a, a Sushin Stevens fan yourself. Sir. I, I, well, actually, I don't know his music very well. I just have a bunch of friends. Oh, highly appreciate him. He, he, it's there's a, a lot of Christian stuff in in his. Yeah, songs. he's sort of spiritual. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but he has a lot of Christmas songs as well, which is fantastic, and some some really really good songs in his repertoire. I've got that Chicago. Or the Come On Illinois album, and it's like absolutely great. Is it Come uh, On Illinois or Come On Illinois? Come on, come on, feel the Illinois. Noise? Noise. It's not Illinois like the state? No, it's noise with an E on the end. Oh, there's no oh, okay, There's no E here in the notes. That's why I, I know. I just didn't type it that way. Oh, okay. You're, you're giving it away that we have notes. Shh. Folk, folk won't believe if they listen to this that this is actually a carefully scripted and tight show. How does it get to two and a half hours, they say? That's what it says on the rundown. Yeah, I've, I've got a 36-page rundown of the... It's like, cue joke here, cue Zach laugh. <laughs> right on cue. Um, but yeah, we played that because we were just talking about the, the Chicago game there. And of course, the player that got the first goal in that game at BC Place on Saturday night, Shakiri. His hips don't lie. He buried that into the bottom corner. And as Zach talked about in the, the first part as well, Shakiri, the, the free roll that he had for Chicago, he's a difference maker on the pitch. And Har and myself headed off to the Chicago locker room after the game on Saturday night to have a little chat with the, the Swiss playmaker. Super nice guy, chatted about a lot of things from the match to the World Cup that's coming up and just his adjustment to MLS. So go stick the kettle on. I would normally say go grab a biscuit of choice, but go grab some lint. Maybe a bunny. They're always good fun. I like to stock up on them after Easter because you can get them dirt cheap. Got a a whole case full of the bunnies here. Some of them have not survived very well in this hot heat, but that's a whole other story. No bunnies were harmed in the making of this episode. (laughs) But anyway, go and grab that. Put your feet up and enjoy our chat with Jerdan Shakiri. Because our goal is to go to the playoffs, so um, uh, yeah, we had now three games in a row where we won. So, uh, but first of all, it was important to to make a good performance because in MLS you need uh, you need good performances to win games, and uh, that's uh, what we did today. Uh, uh, of course, it was a bit difficult in the second half because they came and they, they scored and 
So, uh, but in the end of the day, we managed good uh, the game, and uh, yeah, we scored another two goals. Was very important, and uh, most of most important was the three points were very important today. And uh, yeah, I think uh, now we're gonna play again at home. So uh, yeah, we try to stay consistent. What is very important in football, and I want to give this to these guys, and uh, they need they need to stay. Uh, focused in the game and uh, yeah to try to win more games your fourth goal of the season it looked like maybe a Whitecaps turnover and you capitalized can you take us through your goal um, I saw Fede was the ball and he gave it to me so I turned and uh, yeah watched the goalkeeper and uh, I wanted to see first if I can make a pass or something but uh, no I saw the opportunity to shoot and uh, yeah it was, was uh, of course I have the eye to see that is a gap, and uh, I can shoot it a good technique. And it was with my right one, so it was even more special. So uh, yeah, it was a good goal. The, the three games that you've won now—it's Toronto, it's Seattle, and yeah. it's here as well. So three tough teams. What do you put that turnaround down to? Man, sometimes it's difficult to explain why. But I think what is what important in this team is at the moment they they stick to our game plan. What is most important to understand uh, what every player can give to this team and uh, to do that well to yeah to play simple you know and uh, i think at the moment we we have a good a uh, good game plan and everybody stick to it and everybody does it like in a simple way because uh, some we did in the most of the games uh, we did a lot of mistakes and uh, nowadays we manage that very much better and uh, we don't lose so much the ball like before and uh, yeah defensively we we are working better so and offensively, of course, we, we, we score more goals. So uh, and what is the most important in football is consistent uh, to stay consistent, and this is what is important for us. Where we were not consistent this season, so uh, we have to stay now consistent and try to win more games. How have you found your time in MLS so far? Chicago don't come here very often. It's like every two years, yeah. or you don't get to see every every team. But how have you found it? What have you enjoyed most? What's been the biggest challenges for you so far? Uh, yeah, of course, I'm not used to use uh, used to 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 travel five hours, four yeah. and a half hours. But uh, yeah, but it's nice to see other countries like Canada too. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it's a nice city. Uh, we can we can see a lot of things. Um, but the most important thing, of course, is is, is the work on the pitch. We, we came here to to win the game. And uh, yeah, but MLS uh, I think is growing. Uh, what is great, a lot of players coming from Europe. The teams are investing in younger players, and uh, yeah, that, that that makes it difficult for every team to play against each other, because every team uh, has one, two, three very good players uh, who can make the difference. Um, but uh, you can see that everyone can win against everyone, and that's that makes the league so special. And uh, yeah, uh, I like it. I enjoy it every day to to train, uh, to to play in this league, and uh, yeah, I hope we can. We can we can achieve our goals. What is the, first of all the playoffs, and then uh, we we're gonna see. It was really hot tonight. the The roof is broken. It's not opening. I'm wondering what oh. you thought of the conditions in the turf this evening. Yeah, I played for sure in better turfs. Uh, that's on the person. But uh, yeah, you have to deal with this, and uh, we dealt very well. We have the technique, you know, to play. We know that uh, the ball is quick. Um, but the turf was not the best to play. But uh, yeah, we dealt uh, very good, and the heat was okay to be honest to play, because in Chicago it's also hot at the moment, and uh, yeah, 
No, I think the team did very well. I'm proud of the guys because uh, they win now three, three, three times in a row, but they, stay, they have to stay focused and uh, to work hard and to try to achieve our goals, what is to go to the playoffs, and uh, there is a long way to go. You had a lot of supporters there for you tonight. Yeah. I saw at the end of some folk because of yeah. the flags. Have you had that across the league? And what does that mean to you when <laughs> people are coming out to support you? Yeah, the most of the time where we go, we see some people uh, or from Switzerland or from uh, Albania, from Kosovo. So, um, yeah, it's nice to see. They, they follow me uh, everywhere. And, uh, yeah, I, I try to give them everything back to make pictures and uh, to see them, of course. I cannot uh, see everyone, but I try to do my best and uh, to give them also something back because they, they support you the whole career. And just last thing for me, the World Cup obviously coming up at the end of the year. <laughs> You've been at three World Cups. What, what does that mean to you and how much are you looking forward to that? I'm looking always forward to a World Cup because it's something special with your country to play and uh, yeah, to, to represent your country because the whole world is watching you and uh, yeah, I'm trying to to make uh, my country proud and to try to be successful too. Uh, as we know, the World Cup is always hard to play. Every game is hard and uh, yeah, but we have a good team, we have a good mix. So uh, we are trying to be again like su successful. What's it like playing in Soldier Field, one of the great stadiums in the US? It's closer to the city, more fans can go. What's it like for that? Yeah, I'm really happy that we play at Soldier Field because the people can come more and it's closer to the city. Um, uh, yeah, I hope just uh, even more and more people coming now because we are we are doing well, and I'm pretty sure it's always in football like this. If 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 you do if you do well, if you are successful, people coming to watch you. So um, we have to try to to stay successful and uh, to win games, and uh, then I'm pretty sure a lot of people gonna watch more soccer in Chicago too. Okay. Great, thank you. Good luck for the rest of the season. Great stuff there from Jordan Shakiri. Super nice guy. Had a lot of time to speak to her and myself after the game, after doing press as well on Zoom with the Chicago media. Really appreciate that. And he's also one of those guys, he's a big name in world football. He's going to be going to his fourth World Cup. He's played at a couple of Euros. And it's a Swiss team that he's part of that they're always there or thereabouts at all these big tournaments. It's a team I'm envious of as a, a Scots fan. It's like, why can't Scotland be like Switzerland and have this run of success? They've been very impressive. And Shakiri's one of those guys that's just, he's been a, a big key to that success. Yeah, they really come together well. Um, I think going back to the Otmar Hitzfeld days when he was coaching uh, and maybe a little bit before that, but definitely since then. And uh, yeah, he's played a, a key role. Uh, they have a number of quality players that are lesser known than him uh, that play in, in, uh, in the domestic league, but in the Bundesliga and other places in Europe. Um, yeah. And, and, and when you have someone like him, then again, you, I mean, some of his goals, like that bicycle kick from the top oh. of the box or whatever. Like, yeah, I mean, some of his goals are just, and then he shoots from distance. He can kind of do it all. Um, he's just never, um, never been able to be the top man at, at a top club. That's yeah. The, the I mean, I, I find Chicago a strange landing spot for him. I've got to say, and I, I mean, maybe this will help Chicago win the World Cup. <laughs> it's a callback to, of course, the introductory 
press conference from for Bastian Schweinsteiger. But I guess like Chicago do land these big name European players, and like from listening to him there and chatting with him, he's one of those guys that's come over and he gets it. Yeah, he, he gets what he has to do. He gets he has to do media. He gets he has to grow the game, and spoke there about hopefully the they can get the results on the pitch that will get more fans in and they'll they'll see what a good team this is and and have Chicago really behind this team and and backing backing them and it, it's nice when these these players come over and they get what their job is and it's not just on the pitch it's to help grow the game and to sell yeah. the game here and, and it's good that he's doing that stuff off the pitch because the one criticism you can have of him on the pitch is that he isn't highly involved in the defensive setup. Yes, which, but I think is, you find that a lot with European players. Right. Which but, is why I think a number of those guys struggle when they come to a league like MLS, where you're yeah, expected to put in a defensive shift. MLS, is, you can't really have a free player. Um, and if you if you do, it can only you can only have one. And so, uh, but even with one, other people have to make adjustments. So... I mean, in this match, obviously, it wasn't an issue for Chicago, but I think it's it, it has been, uh, I think, partly why they haven't been as successful because, uh, you know, even though he creates so much going forward, he maybe doesn't always help uh, in the in the on the defensive side of things. But I, I don't say that to be overly critical of him. I think I think he's great for their team and he provides them, uh, you know, incredible um spark going forward and yeah also gives them an, uh, a name and something that their marketing department can you know use and then they will especially especially as he heads off to to another world cup and part of let me talk about him getting it is and we spoke about it there in the interview at the end of the game he's oh, a, yeah. a visiting player and he went over to a big section of fans that were there to cheer him on. There was someone with a Kosovan flag and yeah. he spent time taking photos and signing stuff. And as he said there, he tries to do as much as he can. He can't always get to everyone if there's so many folk there, but he's had that reaction all over. And there's so many players would just maybe give a little wave or whatever, but he went over and he spent that time doing that. Yeah. And I, I love to see that. And that... That's what people remember, and if it's a kid as well, because I've seen some photos and there's a lot of young kids in there, they'll be like, oh, Shakiri came over and he talked to me and he signed my thing and I got a picture, and yeah. it's great to see that. And MLS is attracting more and more of the, these big-name players, and I hope they all come over and have that kind of work ethic on and off the pitch. Some of them big difference makers, Gareth Bale, got his first goal this weekend for LAFC, the second to clinch that win at Sporting Kansas City. Well taken goal as well. You, you, um, you, I mean, it wasn't it was, spectacular, but I mean, yeah. it took it well. I, I just read some headlines before I saw it, and I was expecting something. Yes, I was as well because I was like, "Oh," and you see it back. It's like, okay, he runs in and he slots at home. It's like yeah. it's a goal that so many players score every single week in MLS. I know. When you hear something like that, you know, from a new player's debut goal, you, you're thinking of you know Zlatan and the Dar the Derby. Oh yes. <laughs> Where you're like, it's a wonder strike, but yeah, no, I mean, great, great for him, and uh, good for that LEFC side that they keep marching on. And you know, Mark got another hamburger. Hmm. Did you see that? I did. He seemed yeah. to to enjoy it. I have to have a word with him about his diet, though. He's eating far too many of those. Yeah. If we're talking about big name players, that's a nice little segue to the game that is coming up on Tuesday, as Toronto FC are coming to town. Big spending. 
Toronto FC. I, I guess one of the big questions is how many of their star players that they've added will take the pitch at BC Place? How many will start? How many might come off the bench? Do TFC feel that they've got enough in their locker to get by the Whitecaps without maybe putting them all on from the start? I think that's more than likely, and we might see the likes of Insigne coming off the bench if if needed. I could see one of them coming off the bench, but not both of the two attacking battalions. I only watched the first hour or so because then I had to head down to BC Place, but that was the a second half. I did, the second half I did not watch as closely because the the Byron game was on. <laughs> but yeah. um, but I mean that that first half oh, display. Yeah. I mean they made Michael Bradley look good. Yeah, which is not always easy. And, yeah, Insigne set him up for his second goal, right? Yeah. Where you have Michael Bradley running in alone on the keeper and, and chipping him. But, and I mean, scoring with they, his head. Looked... With, with, with a guy with such a big melon and a big exposed melon. I, th- I heard something that was like his only second. I think uh, Luke Wildman said it was only his second ever MLS-headed goal. Oh. I think maybe. Yeah. I... I... I wish we had made a, a play for him in the off-season, to be honest. Michael Bradley? Bradley? Yep. A play? Mm-hmm. Like if we'd brought him here. Oh, I thought you meant like you were going to like write a play. And oh, no, I, I wish we'd brought him here. Oh. Because then I would have wow. got a free ticket to the game on Tuesday because Michael would have been a DP. <laughs> and all, all Michaels would have got a free ticket. I think there's too many Michaels. I'm, I'm not saying I'm cheap, but I almost changed my name to Ryan. It was going to take too long. With I, saw, I saw some people asking if that counts for middle names. Oh, I don't know. If, I don't know how that worked out. No, uh, it, it has been. Uh, they've. Um, I, I've appreciated how they have. They're doing all they can to yes. get people into the stadium. I, I was going to talk about that because I've seen some criticism in bits of social media about, oh, they're desperate. They're trying everything, and it's like, no, no, no. The the white caps deserve so much praise for what they are doing to try and pack out BC Place on a Tuesday night as well, in the heart of summer, with a roof that might not open and we might all just be sweltering in 35 degrees. But that aside, like the Whitecaps, I think, have been excellent. All the initiatives, the fun ones, if you're called Andres or Ryan, you, Andrea, Lucas, Luke, Lucy, Andrea, you, Andrea, you, you'll get a you'll get a free ticket and you'll have your your special section that's hosted by by those players. I I like that. Yes, you could say, oh, it's reeking a desperation. They can't sell all their tickets, so they're having to give tickets away. But they they want a full house. And what I think is the sad thing of all of this is that the Vancouver public isn't clamouring to fill the stadium in their own right. That's the sad thing. And I know we can get into the whys and everything that's happened with the club in the past and they've lost some of the fan base and they have to win it back, etc., etc., etc. It's a cup final. Yeah, well, let's you're not going to get out for a cup final, you're not a supporter of the team. Let's stay away from the discussion of winning fans back. Yeah. I think what, what these measures provide is an opportunity to engage with new fans and and new people um more so than just you know disgruntled or you know people who've moved on and so again i applaud them for uh for all their efforts in this and i do hope hope for them that uh the stadium is at least uh both is and seems fuller than it has been 
for many or mm-hmm. all all is it all of the fair to say many yeah. of the matches oh no i would i'd say all uh I, the home opener i i think that was pretty uh, full, a right? crowd, yeah i, yeah. I my, the last i heard there was over eighteen thousand tickets sold um so the, there's a chance that they they could fill the the lower bowl that I, I joked about it there but the roof being closed could yeah. hit some walk-ups potential yep. as well it wasn't too uncomfortable where i was on saturday night Is there there's a little bit of a, a breeze coming out when we went down to pitch level afterwards there was a little bit of a breeze coming through because they obviously opened some doors and stuff but some of the other folk I spoke to and people that were at the Lions game on the oh, yeah. Thursday said it was unbearably hot. Yeah. And this is mid-20s, whereas you're looking at Tuesdays meant to be highs of 35. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. My wife was telling me Thursday is supposed to be awful. Tuesday. Like, Sorry, Tuesday is supposed to be awful, like uh, the yeah. temperature was. So no, not looking forward to my walk across the Canby Bridge in that in that temperature. Will I make it to the stadium? Maybe I'll actually treat myself to a little ferry ride across the the water, <laughs> which I have done before. It's just I, I look at it as a treat. It's just where I park, I walk across the the Canby Street Bridge. It's a beautiful walk, and coming home at night, yeah, bit of a spring in the steps, seeing the city all lit up. And occasionally, I have taken the ferry over, and, and it's just nice to be out in the water and. What a way to go to a football game, just get a little ferry over. No, I think taking the boat is a great oh. way to get over to the sta- to the stadium. I've done it. I think I did only only taking that boat when I think my sister was visiting one time. And we just did it for, you know, like a touristy kind of. Yeah, it's three bucks, but I, I, I might actually be prepared to shell out three bucks on Tuesday if it's that hot. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. But no, going back to what the Whitecaps have done, they've got the promotions in the stadium. There's half-price jerseys. You can get drinks cheap up until, the I think, half-time. There's some pizza deals. There's various things happening. If you're one of the first hundred people there, Axel's going to give you a drink in the outside bit. And they're making a big splash. Yeah. I like what they've done. I think it's fantastic. It's what they should be doing. They're hosting a cup final. They're taking this seriously. They've explained from the very start that this competition is is their big thing that they're taking seriously this year. And right up until I watched the two matches on Saturday, I was very confident that the Whitecaps were going to get the win in this. I'm not so much now. My, my hope is that they ha- Toronto have Alex Bono in goals and a centre-back pairing of Lucas McNaughton and Daniel Henry. If I saw that on the team sheet, I might be a little bit more optimistic. So, who on the team sheet? Uh, Lucas McNaughton and Daniel Henry. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, which Canadians? I assume Oso is going to start. Yeah. Which Canadians are they going to go with? But I want Bono in goal. I feel that gives us a fighting chance. He's not Canadian. I've heard people say the opposite, that uh, they want Westberg there because he's poor on crosses. And with Gressel and, yeah. Hmm. Of course, we have to get some shots on target for that really to to matter and some dangerous crosses into the box. But you, you look at that TFC performance on Saturday and you compare it to the Whitecaps one and it's like night and day. So, I mean, I, I, are you thinking that Bernadeschi is going to get the start? Yeah, I think either Bernadeschi or or, uh, or Insignia. I think, I think one of them has to start. I can't see Insignia starting. 
There's what? Have they, so... them off? Didn't they take them off at halftime? Yeah, but there's just there's been so much made of the turf this year from visiting players. Like Shakiri spoke about it after the game on yeah. on Saturday as well. The players are not liking this new turf. Do, do you risk Insigne? Or, uh, he's just come into the team. I, I'd bring him on the trip. I'd have him on the bench. I wouldn't start him. I think the I don't know. I think this I think this means something to players like these. I think these get these guys are coming in and saying we win this, we win a cup. We win well, it. We Julian Gressel talked about that. We, that was we, one of the things yeah. he spoke about right away. We, we win a domestic cup in our second game, and it qualifies us for the Continental Champions, Champions League. League that could qualify them for Club World Cup. Exactly. If, so if I it think, takes place. I think I think these guys are going to want to play. Now it is also their first cross country flight. Yeah. There's all kinds of things, but I, I honestly I do not I do not see Bob Bradley taking this match lightly. Uh, you know. Oh no, I don't think he'll take it lightly. But I feel that he's going to think he can get the job done without necessarily risking some of his star guys. I, I don't think he'll be that arrogant. I could see one of those, one of the, the two attacking we, Italian... We're talking about there. the same Bob Bradley here. Yes, we are. I, I could see him not starting one of them and bringing, bring, you know, bringing that, that, that one on as needed, but he is not going to, like, I think, start with both of them on the bench. I would be... I would no, sure. pro- probably not. But I, I think if one starts on the bench, I think it will be Insigne. Could be. But, I, mean, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I'd, I'd love to see Insigne play. I've never seen him play in the flesh, and he is such a talent. But, but I also want the Whitecaps to win. And if he's not but, playing on the pitch, that, that helps but, the Whitecaps. But also, didn't Bernardeschi actually have more of an impact? Yeah. that <laughs> There is that as well. I, I just leave them all. Don't bring them. So uh, we got a tweet, I think, was it from Ryan or was it from someone else about um, how <laughs> no longer will there be a matchup between Cubas and Pozuelo in this game? Yes. That, that's <laughs> but, disappointing. But if Insignia does start or he does come on, I think it could be an interesting matchup between him and Gressel. If I want Cubas just to go through him right away in the first minute. Uh, put, put the marker down. Yeah, but this is... Yeah, but and I know the way I play football these days you, is. Not... You might get sent off, you know. And if you if you if you do it well. But is there var in this game? Warning. Is there var in this game? That we should know that. I hope the players know that. I <laughs> don't think there will be. That's a good question. I will look into that because they might just change it for the final because it's an MLS stadium. Mm, maybe. But what's your prediction for it? Uh, I I. I I don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but I see I see Toronto FC winning. I, like, I do as well. I think it's going to be three one. Funnily enough, again, it'll be the third straight three one loss at home for the, the I, Caps. I, I, I sincerely I, hope I'm wrong. I want to see them lift this this trophy. I think it's going to be closer than that. I think it's going to be like two one or three two. Like I think it's going to be a one goal game. I, I hope it's a good game. I hope the White Caps give a good account of themselves as well in front of that crowd. I think it's important for them that fans, no matter what, go home thinking, I enjoyed watching that team. I want to come back and, and see them yeah. play more. The, the the worry is if TFC comes out like they did on Saturday and yes. just steams roll them in the... Because Chicago the could have done that to us on Saturday as well if they, they'd taken some of their chances. They could easily have been four up at halftime. They themselves. could have done that to that weaker Whitecap side. But yeah. if Toronto does that and Vancouver puts out their best side, that's going to be a problem. 
Well, let's just round this part off by talking about best sides because this is a discussion I had with Asa and Colin on the the post-game show on AM730 on Saturday night and it's about the starting 11 because a point that I made was I know that Vanny has spoken all season that he doesn't have a starting 11, he has a starting 22 and he's got a full squad and he's going to use them all season, it's going to be rotation. I personally feel, and yet I'm not a coach, I've not gone through all my badges, etc, etc. Surely, uh, even in some of the positions, you want to have a settled start in 11 going down the stretch. You look at Chicago, and what has really helped them, especially on the defensive side, there's been one change in the last three games yeah. in their starting lineup, and it shows... And speaking to Shakiri after the game, speaking to, to Fabian after the game, they both commented on the fact that they've had that stability and they've yeah. got that chemistry going. And the Whitecaps need it. In the back line in particular, the back three, I'd like yeah. to see some stability there. I, I agree with you. Having a settled side, I think, would be uh, the ideal way to go. However, I would say that I'm okay with changing things when you're playing, you know, three games in seven days or eight days or whatever. Yeah. I mean, but that it's that's slightly different. Yeah. But w- when, if you're playing like a game every, once a week or whatever, then yeah, I think you need to stick with as much as a settle side as possible. And I agree with you that I think it would help their back line if he, if, if he knew or the players knew or everyone knew, you know, what the first choice is. Yeah. And uh, let, let's get into that because we, we came up with who we thought on, on the post-game show. I'd li- like to get your thoughts on it as well. First yeah. of all, what formation would you go with? Personally, for me, I'd go three four one two. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's not how I would choose to play football, but I think for Vanny and I think for this team, I think I would agree with you, three four one two. And um, Now, my one question about choosing the players, which I, I didn't ask you, are we choosing only from those who are currently fit? No, no. So oh, okay. let, let's just say we've got everyone. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Who who would be That's, your that makes it easier. 11 just now? So, yeah. I mean, f- for goalkeeper, I, I'm Cody Cropper. Uh, of the four, there's four choices, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would go. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. I would go with Thomas Hissell. Disagreement already, and yeah. we'd love to hear your thoughts as well at home. So get in touch with us either on Twitter at AFT in Canada or shoot us an email AFT in Canada well, at hotmail.com. You, you're going with Cropper just because you think he's he, he's more effective, gets the job done, more experience. Yeah, and just his communication back there is way better, and his organization I feel is better. Yeah, I think you, I think they need to live out the decision they made when they let go of they let Max Kripo go, or sorry, when they um, received a, an MLS record fee for a goalkeeper uh, and the deal from with Max Kripo to LAFC, they made a conscious decision and said, Hassal is our number one, and we want to grow with him." And I think they really need to live that out for the betterment of the player, but even more so selfishly for them for the betterment of the club. I just feel Cropper's been more commanding. He didn't have a good outing uh, against Minnesota. I mean, I will no. say that. I mean, you're back three, and this this is where I think it's tough, just because of some of the performances this season. My back three is probably changed now to being Blackman, 
Veselinovic, and I think I would probably say Brown. Because uh, Godoy, for me, is just... He's not the Godoy that we know he can be. Well, because we're not talking about injuries, I would put Godoy ahead of Brown, but Brown would be my next choice. I mean, I, I would have gone with Godoy, but that last outing he had, and I know he hadn't played for a month, and there's been the injuries, and he's got another calf injury just now. I just, if you're wanting stability, I don't know that you can ride him out to the end of the season, so I'd have to go with Brown. It, it, uh, I think so I heard some people or saw some people talking about this on social media, but to me, when you start Jake Nowitzki, you're essentially saying we have no desire to have a clean sheet. He's been caught out several times this season, unfortunately. And, I mean, he's good as a backup to come in. I definitely would have him as my, my fifth-choice centre-back just now. I've, I've got to be honest. Uh, I'd probably put him ahead of Flo, though, at the moment, just because of some of the games that, that Flo's had. But, yeah, I mean, that's the interesting one. We'll come at the midfield last. Um did you did you agree with three four one two? I mean, for me, my one is then obviously Ryan Gold, and my two would be Lucas Cavallini, and probably Brian White. But I would be open to an argument of having Christian Dahomey in there, just to add something a little bit different. Dahomey, no, off the bench. I don't think he's been good enough this year. I don't think he's been. I mean, obviously, he's not been been played up there. Hardly at all. Um, but no, I, you have to go with uh, Cavallini and White with goal. Yeah. So that, then we come to the midfield, and this is where we had a, a few disagreements last night when we were talking about this on the radio. I mean, Gressel, right wing back, that's written in now. Left wing back, do you go with Gutierrez? Uh, absolutely. He is the one true left wing back in your squad. How can you not? And, and I think he's quality. Um and he's he's good with putting a defensive shift in as well. Yeah, and I think if you if you had a settle side, I think that would help a player like Gutierrez. One, because he know he's getting a run, and two, I think his confidence would grow as he played with the, the players around him. And then this is where I think it gets tricky because who's your two central midfielders? Well, no, it's one, it's one because Kubis is obviously in. Oh, but yes, yeah. So well, like, who who's in beside Kubis? Do you go with Kyle? Do you play VT in a slightly deeper role? Russell Tybert was who Asa was pushing for on Saturday night. I just I can't in good conscience say that if everyone's available that I'd have Tybert in there at all. No, and that well, that was again one of the criticisms from Russell Beresford, right? What are you what are you saying to your what are you saying to your players when Rusty has a guaranteed spot? I don't. I don't think that communicates what you wanted to. Well, I mean, I tweeted this out. I, I mean, it was a a bit harsh, but I do get the sentiment. As soon as it was announced at halftime, he was coming on. Guy in front of us shouted out, "Get Tiber off, Vanny! What's he doing on the pitch?" And there was a couple of there was a few boos in the stadium when his name was read out as well. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, but no, like I think no. I, <sighs> I know he hasn't settled well and there's been injuries and all this kind of stuff, but I think based on the limited time he's played for Vancouver, I think I would probably go with Kayo. Yeah, I think I think you have to be. And then if Kayo isn't fit, it's I mean, I'd go with Bearholt or probably, to be honest. 
I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose someone who I'll get maybe even more criticism for than if I had chosen Tybert. Um, I would, I, I, I don't dislike Leo Owusu. I know. I, I haven't, but I did this game. I just yeah, thought he was. I, very I know this poor. game he did not have a good game, but I think I might go with him. The other person actually I might go with actually maybe even ahead of Owusu. Um, is Janio Bacal if he's an option? Well, that was that was a name I threw out in the radio. I said if we can get Bacal signed up, get him back in there. Uh, oh. You've got Baldy as well, but that's the thing. You look at that position, and we're throwing a lot of different names out there. But apart from Kubis, we're kind of like, hmm, I'd take him if this, I'd take him if that. That could be another area that we need to really look at strengthening. I was just going to say the exact same thing. If you look at how they have, I think, good options in a number of those other positions, aside from Kubas, they need better options in the middle of the park. They need yeah. to upgrade there. I mean, I hope Kyle can be that guy. Yeah. And I still hope he can be. We've just been a bit unfortunate with him with injuries, with Godoy and injuries. We've seen other players over the years. I mean, this has been a crazy season for and, injuries. And and to be fair, be be fair to them as an organization, I think Ryan Gold is arguably the 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 best central attacking midfielder to have, and Kubas in his again limited time is if not the best one of the better defensive central midfielders they have i think the only place where they have potential to grow and again kayo could be that that person is in the eight so they have the six they have the ten they they could do much better at, at the eight so we'll see how that plays out as i said let us know your thoughts on who the the best starting 11 for the white caps is if everyone was fit let us know as well who you'd like to see on the pitch against tfc on tuesday yeah, that's what i say who do you think starts this week can we talk about that real quick? Yeah. Let, uh, Cropper and goal. I, I feel... Cropper and the... Yeah, I feel Bomer got the start because he'd done well and they wanted to give him a reward for that with a home game. Yeah. And like to be fair, like Isaac didn't really do much wrong in that game. A couple of maybe little positional lapses, but I mean, not a lot he could could do, especially with, like with Mueller's goal. And um, So for me, yeah, Cropper... Um, I yeah. think we will line up three, four, one, two. I mean, I could see two, one, but I think three, four, one, two. I think that back line will be Veselinovic, Blackman, and I'm not sure and who Brown. that third might it's be. Got to be Brown. He did not have a good game on Saturday, though. But at least he'll be rested. But that that has been a good back line. Um, I I don't know. I, I mean, if Godoy. It's fit, which it doesn't look like he's going to be. You maybe throw him in there, but it's going to be Brown and Nerwinski, you have to feel. Brown and Nerwinski with... Bra Brown. No, Brown or Nerwinski yeah. with, with, with Blackman yeah. and Veselinovic. I mean, Blackman and Veselinovic, two names definitely down there. And mm -hmm. then I would imagine we'll have White and Cavallini leading the line with Golden behind them. Between Brown and Nerwinski, I take Brown uh, every day of the week and twice on a cup final. <laughs> But, That's but, very fair. But yeah, I was going to ask you up top. Um, do you think they? It, does it feel like they're going too all out? If they if well, they're... that that's the thing. Is like, do you shoot your load too early? And if you've got them on the pitch and you're needing to chase the goal, and they haven't got that goal, you then turn to your bench and you're like, "Where's well, that help coming from?" 
Yeah. So I could. That's why I said I'm maybe even see a two-one up there with Vite and Gold with Cava in front of them. I I could see that, but again, I don't think it's suited to Vite's. No, but we've got to be honest though as well and say White's not in great form right now. He's got the odd goal here and there, but he's not the Brian White that he was a year ago. Yeah, but he can come up with a, a diving header like he did away to yeah. Poland. I mean, you've got Toss off the bench, and he's he's been good. I'd like to see him get more than just five, ten minute running games because he's not let the team down whenever he's come on. But you, like, you do have that as an option. You like Toss off the bench? Yeah, Toss me off the bench anytime you can. Um, I, I think you've got Gresso on the right. I'd put yep. Ryan Raposo in on the left just because he's really come on to his game in these Canadian Championship games. Well, I was going to say, I think it's, I think he has to start. <laughs> yeah, for Canadian content. Yeah. I think Tiber will get the start on Tuesday. Uh, and yeah, he'll be the third Canadian, right? The yeah. Tiber. Yeah, I think he'll start uh, as the captain, as it's the Canada. And then beside Kubis. Yeah. I, I'm... As we've said, that's not the best lineup, but I think that is the the one that they're going to get, and certainly seems a bit of a, a mismatch in the midfield potentially. And on the wings, Ryan Raposo is going to have to put in one of his best defensive performances if yeah. he gets that left wing back role. Uh, I've got faith in Gressel, although in saying that, he cut a frustrated figure at one point in the first half when he was wide open on the right, yes. yelling for the ball, and no one played it open to him. And it's like, yeah, maybe get used to that. Yeah, no, hopefully not, for for, for his sake. Um, so, sorry, if uh, if you, just one quick thing about that, if you're not going to go with White and Cavallini up front with gold behind, and you want one up top and two behind, then yeah, you obviously start Cavallini because he's Canadian, and you go, I think you go gold and Dahomey. Yeah, you I'd be happy know, with that you as well. Light it up against Chicago, but I, I, no, I think you'd get more out of Dahomey though uh, than Viti. But if yeah, if you don't and you go with White and Cavallini, then I think Dahomey's your first attacking sub, whether it's straight up top. Yeah, or... that's true. I mean, the, the worrying thing is you look at the bench and there's not a lot of big game changes there. If they're having to chase a one or two goal lead, two goal in particular, it's like you, if you're having to turn to the bench, that's tough. Yeah, and especially if you're looking at the opposition bench where you have to match up against, and one of the Italians is there, yeah. or one of the attacking Italians is there. I, I mean, Toronto, I think if they can get ahead early, they'll comfortably see this one out. The, the first goal is yeah. huge in this. I mean, it is in so many games, obviously, and but for if the Whitecaps can get that first goal, everything changes on Tuesday night. They'll get the crowd on their side. They'll be putting the pressure on TFC. I'm looking forward to it. I, I really can't wait. I love this competition. I love cup football. It's a cup final. How can you not be excited? We'll be back, hopefully, with a, a midweek show to chat about the second ever Whitecaps win in the Voyagers Cup or drowning our sorrows. We'll see how we get on. But we've got one m- more part of this episode to go and we're going to turn our attention to the Canadian Premier League and chat a little bit of League One BC as well. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Mark Anthony Kay, and you're listening to the AFTN Radio Show. He climbed atop the spire to see what he could see. Far across the town, they came. 
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of July from Brighton, England, 80s Matchbox Beeline Disaster. That's a song taken from their second album, 2004's Royal Society. Just an album track, but I just like it because it's quite quirky. Puppy Dog Snails. Something a little bit different there for you. We're going to talk Canadian domestic football in this final part of this episode. And we're going to start by looking at the CPL. It's getting quite exciting, the run into the, the postseason and the playoffs. And some good games, some good performances there. And Zach, you were recently out in Edmonton for work. And you, you took in one of the Eddies games out there. And you, you did our match report. And you've got a, another article that you're working on as well. You got a good chance to chat with Alan Koch and Todd May, the... The coaches at FC Edmonton. Just how did you you find your your whole experience? Uh yeah. Well, I, Edmonton was very welcoming, <laughs> as you might as you might imagine. I think they're just when someone says, "Hey, can we come cover the game?" Um, I think they're they're happy, right? Well, when you sent me a picture of the press box and you're the only one in it, I did have some concerns. <laughs> well, I got well. There was multiple press areas, but yeah, there was. I was the only like. Uh, person who wasn't from the club or wasn't from the from um, one soccer. <laughs> I yeah, think. I mean it's a t- it's, well, it's, actually, been, it's been tough for them. There, there was another there was another guy at the post game thing, but I think he was in the stands. Ah. Um, I think you like a a fan, a blog, um, that kind of thing. But no, I mean, I, I mean, they were great to great to deal with. It was it was fun to go and do. It was uh, I felt. Um, fortunate that it was a Pacific game, uh, so I got to see you know yeah. a, team, a team, you know, uh, a bunch of players that we know really well, and then with uh, Edmonton, a bunch of coaches we know really well, and um, no, it was it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and, and it was a intriguing game. It was a really great game. It like, was. I mean, uh, it, the, Edmonton for all their struggles and all the woes that they've gone th- gone through. They've played some nice football this year. They've been hit by some defensive lapses that's cost them dear, and just they've given up leads. They they've not been steamrolled, I think, the way that many thought they maybe would have been. No, they haven't. Yeah, they've been in so many of their matches. Um, I mean, there's been a few odd ones they haven't, but yeah, in general, they've been in been in so many of them, and this one in particular. Uh, I know that. Uh, like they felt they were robbed actually they felt one of the one of the goals for pacific should have been given as offside and one of theirs that was called back shouldn't have been called back and so in the post game they were showing because they have i guess other cameras in the stadium like their own cameras in the stadium or something yeah a lot of the the clubs are doing that i mean from it it was a game that was crying out for bar that's i was just a way to say from some of the games i've seen lately and like pacific cavalry on friday night would have been an interesting game i think if there'd been var yeah but the league needs it and i can't believe i'm saying that because i do like to have these kind of pure leagues where you've not got it but when there's been some big mistakes like today in one of the league one BC games are called, a penalty was given and from where we were sitting in the commentary you could clearly see it was outside the box and it's like <sighs> yeah those kind of things, well even was it Stephen Hart the other day 
he's just like mm-hmm. i in my, my three years before this i've never i've never questioned or been negative towards the officials but he's like what was that and they have a, a tough job and var is there to help them and it's there to make their life easier because yeah, we're all and, we're all fallible we all make mistakes well i don't but like others others do I, i've heard no and that's part of the whole the whole ethos of the league is we're 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 growing a league we're growing the football industry in canada and that includes referees yeah referees assistants and but yeah i think we need to add var to that as uh sooner rather than later i know obviously it's an expense and uh well that is the thing because i mean the the league's not turning up a profit we've had all our discussions about canadian soccer business as well and the owners needing money from that to help offset some of the losses that teams have have made and i i think the winnipeg blue bombers had put out some financials this week showing the typical loss i I guess that these teams are making with valor i I mean it's tough these owners don't have like never-ending pockets no well and it's been tough there's been a pandemic on and in edmonton's case they've had trouble filling the stands i mean it what, what was the crowd like for the, uh, the game? It felt actually, yeah, it, so it probably didn't look great, but actually it felt pretty good. Well, it's a good atmosphere because the Pacific fans yeah. that had made the trip were in full voice as well. They were great. Yeah, the, the Lakeside boys were there. And uh, I always say boys and it's boys, right? It's the things in the water. Yeah, in Scotland, though, we pronounce it boys. Yeah. You, you guys pronounce it buoys. Well, they spell with a U. Yeah, but that, we still pronounce that boys. Oh, okay. Um... But there was some noise from over in the the RVV section, the the River Valley Vanguard section. Um, but the stadium as a whole felt not full, obviously, but mm-hmm. it felt like there was a good um, a good vibe, a good buzz in the stadium. Especially, obviously, as, good. as the game progressed and Edmonton got back into the game and made it close at the end. But um, and then, of course, my my reference point, my reference point is a. Is the game in November, the last game of the season in November, uh, when when Kirk and I went out for the Canada game in uh, there that was Commonwealth. Yeah, I don't no, think you can compare it to that. No, no, no. But we went to a we went to the last. Oh, game sorry. Yeah, and uh, I think Samo was with us, and it was. It, I mean, they won. Oh, uh, Dan and Joanne were there, um, and they got there early, so they got all this free, free FC Edmonton stuff because it was Fan Appreciation Day. But like. There was like literally like hundreds of people there, whereas this game I, I didn't double check, but I'm sure it was over a thousand. Like, I mean, uh, attendances across the league have been, been struggling. I mean, Pacific seemed to get a good crowd out on on Friday night for that cavalry game, and I mean, there, there is a clear gulf that that that's developed in the league, and we'll come to that in a sec. But um, I mean we've got some audio that we're not going to include in this show because I know you want to write an article on it first. I don't want to play it in the show until you, you get a chance to finish that article, but some very interesting stuff, honest stuff from, from Alan and Todd as well that I think fans will be interested to read it and hear. Yeah. And, I mean, you feel for them. It is a... It, it's like you're, you're swimming up a stream and everything's coming down the, the opposite way and you're having to dodge this and fight this and just try and get the, the best that that you can out of the situation. The two wins on the season, they're bottom of the table on 11 points, but they're only three behind York. If the Eddies can finish second bottom, they're going to see that as a massive victory. 
Oh, yeah. They, they probably already feel that a couple of wins under the belt is a massive victory, and they've been unlucky not to, to have more points on the board. The draw, the draw they just got away to Halifax is huge. One of the crazy yeah. things is when we've talked many times over the years of how North American football scheduling needs to needs to change or needs to at least move towards change to being like a proper setup. But um, yeah, it, it is uh, like they're in the middle of this. The game I was, was at was what, like Saturday, July 5th, and they have six weeks before they have another home match. So it was like it was a good crowd. It was a good vibe. It was a good buzz. Like a like a you know a, everything was really good. Other than the fact that they didn't. So win. you want to build on that? You want to build on it? And it's like yeah, come back in uh, yeah like six weeks. <laughs> so yeah. and, and and I think Koch sort of talked about that in in terms of like yeah we know we are the last priority for the league when it comes to scheduling and this is you know case in point. So. Yeah, you if you if you feel really bad for them. I mean, it it's tough for them. I mean, if they could have held on and got that win against Halifax, I mean, that could have been yeah. massive in the, the the grand scheme of things as well. Ooh. But I mean, you you look at the table just now, and the the top four seem to be getting that gap now. But the battle for for first place, and of course, seeding's important in this home playoff mm-hmm. games in the semis, home hosting the final, Atletico, Ottawa. Today, jump back into first place, 29 points from their 16 games, Pacific 29 points from their 17, and Pacific's been very up and up and down. Yeah. Cavalry, who were looking the class act as well, fallen to third now on 28 points from their 16. Then you've got Forge in fourth on 26, but they've only played 14 games. Yeah, Valor in fifth, 20 points from 15. It already looks like they might be cut adrift because... I don't see any of those top four going through a significant slump. Valor is going to have to put in a hell of a lot of wins to to get into that top four. I think we've got the top four set as to who the teams are going to be, but positioning is going to be very interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I I'm not advocating this, but just the conversation for conversation's sake with you, and maybe it's not till August or whatever that you would do this, but. When you, when you look at this is um do you ever see them maybe doing a scottish thing where they split the they split the standings i guess well, I guess without relegation it doesn't matter no they'd have to have a much bigger league for that i i hated it in scotland when they did that i've got to okay. say okay, and it, it's grown on me because it's made the relegation battles more interesting right because you've got bad teams playing bad teams yeah. as opposed to bad teams playing Celtic and Rangers and Hearts and you know they're going to get hammered. Yeah. So it's added a bit of intrigue, but there is pro-rel. So it's like you've got, teams are going to go down, there's a, a relegation playoff as well, so there's a lot to play for. So unless you had two divisions and a lot more teams, no. But if you had that, that might work. But it, it is going to be a hard sell for some of these teams down the stretch if the games are meaningless. Yeah. Yeah, except for Halifax. The Halifax is, uh, yeah, the, I think people there know that even if they're not in the upper half of the table, that I think they just know what, it seems like the community there has gotten it. Like, this is our football club, and we're here with them through thick and thin, and uh, they are enjoying um, growing 
uh, a culture and an atmosphere that is, I think, the envy of the league. It, there's been some good football played this season as well. I am loving the Pacific Cavalry rivalry. The last two games between those sides. Whoa. If you haven't seen this, try and check it out. Even just watch the highlights on, on YouTube. Yeah. But if you've got one soccer or football, go back to watch those games on demand because feisty, no feisty, feisty. David Norman is loving yeah. these games. Yeah. Except for, uh, I'm not so sold. Uh, I love David, don't get me wrong. I'm not sold as, you know, as I'm not sold with him as a left back. No, I, 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 I mean, they've tried a centre back before. I like him as a defensive midfielder. I just think that's his strength. Yeah, I do too. It's just a needs must. Situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cavalry have been down to the bare bones at times with, with injuries this season. But I mean, all the clubs are going to do that. You've now got Pacific about to start their exciting Concacaf League journey as well. They play their first game in Jamaica of their own accord on Tuesday night against Waterhouse. Uh, the, a week on Tuesday, the the game over in Pacific that I, I still might go to. I don't know. Mm. It's a lot of expense to go over for one game. And you can stay overnight, right? Yeah. I mean, there, there's no way you, you can... Because it could go to extra time. Or we're not, it's our penalties. There, there's no extra time. So, I mean, it could go to penalties. It could be elongated. But even with that, I don't think there's a, a ferry home. So it's, it's expense even... If you had somewhere to crash, you've still got the the cost of the ferry and taking the car, and um, so I, I probably won't go over for it, but I'm excited to watch it. I'll be jumping on the the call with James Merriman to tomorrow that they have in the build up to it. It's a great chance for Pacific, and I think they can make a good run, like like Forge did last year. It's how that hits their their focus on the league. I mean, they're probably going to be top four. So they've got a bit of wiggle room. I mean, they've got nine points wiggle room over fifth place Valor just now. So they can afford to to lose some points here and there. But you also want that home seeding. So yeah. it's it's going to be tough for them. Do, do you think they've got a squad that can handle this? Because I've got concerns about that just now, that they've got that depth to fight on two fronts. Yeah, I th- well, I think they do have the depth. Um, uh I was on the same flight as them back to BC, BC uh, the night of the game. And uh, obviously they were in good mood, <laughs> good spirits uh, and happy. But yeah, I think uh, I, I do. I think, I think this uh, opportunity, it should be, I, sorry, I see them getting at least through the, this first round. Like, oh so- yeah. Although what Waterhouse have had a very strong season in the Jamaican league. So they're not going to be pushovers, but you you would hope that Pacific's got enough to get past them. Yeah, and so I see that like lifting them. I think that could like obviously yeah, extra travel, extra games. Uh, it'll take its toll physically, I guess, but uh, uh, like um, mentally and emotionally, I think it can be something that just like lifts them and helps them um, like moves their season forward in a similar way to their knocking out of Vancouver last year in the Voyager's Cup kind of, you know, lifted them, um, you know, lifted their whole season. I mean, the thing with Waterhouse, they, they won the Jamaican League, I think won it by five points, but you look at their recent results and they've been in a bit of a, a losing streak. They got beat in the National Premier League semi-finals in a two-legged affair. 
they haven't played a game since July 3rd either. So they're that's, going to be coming into that a little bit cold. That's the one thing I've heard the supporters talk about is like, hey, it's it's number of weeks since they'll have played a proper game. We need to take advantage of that. Like our players need to take advantage of that. And it's a five o'clock kickoff Pacific time. So you've got a chance to watch that game before the, the Whitecaps and TFC kickoff. So good scheduling there. So I'll take that in and then head down to, to BC Place, I think. I think they'll get the job done and I'm excited to see it and what that's going to mean to the club and to the community and to the, the fan base to have a, a run in that competition is going to be great. It was great seeing Forge the last couple of years and yeah, good luck to them. Hopefully we can have the Whitecaps and Pacific in that championship draw next year when, when that is made for the Champions League. Last bit of football we're going to talk about in the show just quickly is League One BC because the, the regular season wrapped up today with a, a couple of games and it's been a fantastic uh, inaugural season. I've really enjoyed commentating. We've been commentating on four of the teams, Varsity, which is UBC's team, Vancouver Whitecaps, TSS Rovers and Altitude FC on the North Shore. Giddy myself and Alex have really enjoyed all the games. It's been a lot of fun. And there's been some top quality football. It's been great to have this league. It's been great to see it grow as the season's gone on. Clubs like Altitude, stuff that they've been doing off the pitch and in the community has been absolutely fantastic. These should be held up for the teams that's coming in as this is the club you want to emulate. Hmm. Everything from their social media to their community involvement to having local soccer teams come in and, and youth groups coming along to matches. Today they had a free barbecue that must have cost them a, a pretty penny for, for fan appreciation uh, as well. And they've just been exemplary in this league and wish them all the very best. They've been a, a pleasure to, to work with all year, as have all the clubs. There's been teething issues. I mean, we're not going to sugarcoat it. The, the streaming service has been awful at, at times. It's got a little bit better, though, as, as the season went on. So that's one of the, the many things I'm sure that will be discussed in the off-season. But the finals are set, August 1st, BC Day. If you can get along to Swangar Stadium, please do. You can get all the ticket information on League One BC's social media or league1bc.ca. The women's final kicks off at 1 o'clock. Whitecaps taking on Varsity. The men go at 4. That's going to be Varsity again, taking on TSS Rovers. Whitecaps clinched the, the final place on offer in the Women's Championship game on Friday night with a hard-fought win, but a well-deserved win and a, a comfortable win, really, in the end over Rivers FC. Got a chance to catch up with Whitecaps head coach Katie Collar after that one. Here's what she told me about the season so far, what it's meant to this young group of players, many of whom are part of the under-17 Canadian national team that will be going off to the World Cup in India in October and just looking ahead to the final. Here's Katie Collar. I mean, Katie, the team just did what you needed them to do. They got into the final, but that first half performance, that was some of the best football we've seen from the, this team since the seniors left. Yeah, it was good. You know, I think we had a couple young ones step up. It's good to see Emily Wong as one of our youngest really kind of, you know, settle into the game and, and make an impact, I think, across the full game. Uh, and some of the ones that, you know, we don't see as much coming in. I thought Emma Yee came in and made an impact and um, Noelle played well when she came in last 10. So I think it's, uh, it's good to see them starting to step up. In the championship game now, it's a tough task. I mean, Varsity, they've put seven past you. 
without giving you too much away, it's like, what do you do to, to counter that? Have you learned a lot from, from the games against them so far? Yeah, absolutely. I think every game we learn. And at the end of the day, I think we needed time to find our identity as a group and with this group and um, anything can happen in a final. Yeah, that's very true. But th this team, they're getting better and better. They're getting more confident. They're getting the playing time. Looking back at the season on a whole, you, you got off to a fast start. You lost your seniors. This young team's now regrouped. What have you learned about this players and what has this meant for, say, the under-17 team in particular that's going to be going to India now? What have these players learned by being in tough games, being against older opposition, more physical opposition? Yeah, I think the kids have learned a lot, to be honest. I think, you know, just the having to deal with adversity, having to deal with teams, experienced teams coming with a game plan, uh, being a little bit more physical, you know, trying to bait us into set pieces and things like that. I think um, they have grown massively in terms of managing the game and understanding how to, you know, kill a game, chase a game, all of those things that when they go to a World Cup in a couple months, they'll have those, those key pieces already built. Um, what about yourself? What have you learned about yourself this year? Yeah, it, it's been a great learning experience for me. I think having to adapt to, you know, different teams, different opposition, different coaches, uh, preparation of the group to go into games to win games, uh, and then adapting to kind of a new identity. It's It's been a big growth uh, time for me and growth period for me, but I think, you know, it's... Uh, it's good going into next year. It gives us a kind of base to start with first season and it gives us something to build off and really work towards. So, Congratulations, you really deserve it. You've been a, a quality team all year. Really delighted for you. Great stuff from Katie Collar there. Wish all four teams all the very best for next week's championship games. As I say, get out and support them if you can. They really deserve your support. They've put in a, a really good two months off football and it's hopefully going to be an extended season next year there's a couple of teams coming in they're hoping to maybe expand it to, to 16 game season as well instead of 12 um yeah it's just a growing league it's great for bc soccer it's great for canadian soccer and everything coming under the league one canada umbrella as well is fantastic what's been the, like the highlight for you aside from commentating what's been the highlight there's been some absolutely spectacular goals to to be honest with you, uh, it's hard to pinpoint them. We were, we were saying they hope they can put together a a goal of the season competition in both the men and the women's side. It, it's been good seeing the women's division and the quality of talent that exists in BC in the women's game. It, that's also been frustrating because they have nowhere to really play. Mm. And they need to be playing at a higher level at that. There's been some amazing performances that have really stood out. On the men's side as well, you've got guys like Eric Edwardson from TSS that's had a 10-goal season. And it's like, why are teams not looking at him? And he's 25. So I know it's all about development and the young players, but it's also about winning. And you've got a guy that can be a winger, that can be an out-and-out -out striker, have a look at him. 25's not old in football in terms. And I do worry that players like him are getting overlooked because the focus is on all the young guys. Hmm. And these guys can go on and make a difference in the CPL. Eric might go over to Europe. I've actually put him... Uh, I've put East Fife onto him. Uh, he might not want to play fourth-tier Scottish football. But I've said, we need a winger striker just now. He's the guy that could do that. So... That, I think the highlight has just been 
having the opportunity for these players to showcase their talents. The disappointment for me has been that it's been on a, a pay streaming service. I, I'm not going to lie. At that, that disappoints me because I feel you need to showcase the league. I've said that about the CPL and one soccer, so I'm, I'm not going to change my tune just because I'm doing the commentary on Home Team Live. These games need to go out to a wider audience, even if not live. Put extended highlights up on YouTube just so you can showcase this talent. That's something, a discussion I feel like that needs to be had for year two, but I mean, it, it's been great stuff. Cool. But that's pretty much it for this show. We can't leave, though, without this week's wavelength. And because we had Shakiri on the show, I've gone back to a band we've played a few times before. They're from Switzerland. They're Vanilla Muffins. This is a song from 2015, a single they released. They were doing a Goal of the Month single for some months in 2015. This was September and October's effort. This is called The Kids Behind the Goal.
Vanilla Muffins there, the kiss behind the goal, not about Vancouver Albion at the Whitecaps games, more about the the guys that go behind the goal that aren't interested in the game and just want to cause trouble. I should have kept it for football violence I wear in this month, but I wanted a Swiss song to tie in with Shakiri. So we went with Vanilla Muffins there from 2015. You can also find it on their Radio Tunes compilation album. But that is it for this episode. Hope you've enjoyed it. Great to have Zach back on the show. Just before we go though, Zach, any final thoughts? Anything you've learned this week or anything you, you want to wrap the show up with? I uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Zachary M. I wish Steve was here <laughs> um, to, uh, to join us because I really wanted to talk about... Uh, the uh, Hall H panel from Marvel at San Diego Comic-Con oh. and the announcements for Phase 4, Phase 5, and Phase 6. Yeah, but I heard Phase 6 is where the the two Avengers films are, are wrapping up Phase 6. Yes, but you shouldn't be looking at it. You need to catch up. before. I, I, well, I need to get Disney Plus back again. I'll save that for yeah. the winter when I'm not commentary, commenting. Four games in eight days I've done this week. It's You're crazy, man. And then for you, and you and Steve, the thing I wanted to throw to you, you guys was... Um, I saw maybe it was Twitter. Saw somewhere um, you're. Uh, I don't. I'm guessing you don't like him because I know a lot of people don't. But uh, Vince McMahon has retired. Yeah, I'm not not a big fan of Vince McMahon. He, he's retired as well amidst a a scandal and oh. allegations against him as well. But the the retirement it was one of those things you never thought it was ever going to come. He's just been involved with the company for so long and he's just, you think of WWE, WWF in the, the old days and it's always been Vince McMahon or his dad. Now his daughter Stephanie is one of the two CEOs, but yeah, that was big, big news this week. I didn't know about the scandal or the... Oh, <laughs> yes, you, you should read about that. Lots of rumours there's more stuff going to be coming out, so he's possibly gone with his own volition just now. That's not the the primary wrestling that you and Steve engage with, though, right? No, we we we're more AEW guys. And Ring of Honor was back at a very good pay per view last night that I watched when I, I came home from the Whitecaps game. Nice. That'll that'll be my final thoughts for for the show as well. Just watch some good wrestling, AEW, fantastic stuff. Thank you for listening to this episode. We'll hopefully be back with a midweek show with a couple of interviews as well. Really looking forward to bringing you the section that I've got for who is the most German between the two Z Soccer podcast hosts. That's something we've already recorded half of with Fabian Herbers. We've just got Julian Gressel to round that off now. But we will be back soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Mon the caps. And go and lift the Voyager's Cup. You can do it, guys. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.